one of my favorite portions of Scripture is in the Gospel of John. In the very beginning, uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In this portion of Scripture, allows us to, to hear clearly of the, the incarnation of God, of God in flesh. And, and we recognize that this incarnation shines light into our darkness as we talked about through the Advent and Christmas seasons, that, that there is a new way in, through this incarnation of God in flesh. And then last week, as we looked at the baptism of Jesus Christ, we heard of the proclamation that we are the beloved, this declaration that, that came with a challenge, that we are called to, to be like Christ, to, to seek to be who we are called and created to be. Or as St. Athanasius would say, God became man so that man might become like God. He's pointing us to this idea that God took on flesh so that we may take on the divine. This idea of striving for Christian perfection is one that is at the center of our faith. It's a central belief to the Christian life. This is our, our drive and our purpose. And it's in this knowledge and wisdom that I want you to hear these words from the book of Romans. In the 12th chapter, it's probably a very familiar verse to many of us. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we, we, we hear the, the what in this text. The what are we supposed to do? And it is that we are supposed to take on and be transformed. That, that as this text directs us, it, it shows us that as we are, are going and trying to and attempting to be more and more like Christ day by day, that this directs us in the how our faith should guide us as we interact with our, the world. That it, our faith should guide and direct what we say and what we do, that we should be living sacrifices. But what does that mean? What is it being a living sacrifice? What does that look like? How do we do this in our world and he goes on in Romans to explain that we do this by not conforming, but through transformation, through renewal renewal and worship. But, but we hear that this idea of worship is not something that we just do on Sunday or Wednesdays. It's not something that we attend, but that this idea of worship is, it involves our bodies. It's something that we do. Our, our, our spiritual worship, as we hear, is seeking to become like Jesus every day. It's how, and it points to the reality that we all know 
whether we want to admit it or not, that how we live our lives matters. And ultimately what it's pointing to is, it, is what was summed up by the famous quote from St. Francis of Assisi, that pre, to preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. This idea of living into the incarnation requires that we look at things, at people, at places, and even as at our world differently. That we see every interaction, everywhere that we go, everything that we do, everything that we say as worship. <clears throat> Have you ever thought about that? Your life as worship? So, the, the, as, I mean, if you just think about where you spend most of your time and who you spend it with, how you see them, how they see you, the question is, if this is the sermon that you are preaching, that we hear, as we hear from St. Francis of Assisi, if this is your worship, what is your sermon saying? Or as Mark Teasdale says, he's an author from Garrett Evangelical, he says that the best disciples live lives that present, in a clear, that present a clear bias for the good news of Jesus Christ in every situation. Their lives always declare in every situation that there is good news. No exceptions, regardless of the circumstances, that the good news is that, that God is still with you, God is still present, God is gracious and loving and kind, that, that, that God is still with us. But sometimes this can be tough to believe, tougher to live out. Even as we have been empowered by the incarnation and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, we find ourselves in a world that is, has polarizing discourse about almost every issue that you can imagine. And, and it can become so easy on, on the internet or when you're with people to become immersed and consumed by these trending topics, these hot-button issues of our world. And we we become immersed in the news and in the topic of the day, and it calls and it pulls us in, and we want to engage and we want to discuss or debate. But our, our genuine desire is not to engage, but our genuine desire is to tell people why they're wrong and why we're right. And as we've seen in our world, this type of um, dialogue, if you want to call it that, leads us to division and anger and frustration, and for many of us, detachment because we just give up. And as we look at our reasoning, perhaps even unknown to us, it's all rooted in conformity. That we, we are seeking what benefits me in our approach to these topics. Or, or at least what will benefit those who look like me, think like me, vote like me, act like me, believe like me. And, and we find ourselves um, conforming to a worldly and self-focused approach to life. We need to do what will benefit us and people like us. But what our text calls us to is something much deeper. It calls us to transcend these topics, this approach of conformity, to transcend what is going on in our world, to be transformed by God, by focusing on God who lives within us, by not allowing the issues that we face or the stance or opinion that we have to become more important than a person to be loved. I love the way that the message, the, the kind of paraphrase that Eugene Peterson released of the scriptures um, says, the, or 
phrases Romans 12, 1 through 2. And this, this really is kind of helpful to me when I kind of think about what, what it means to be transformed. And he says it this way. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies the living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is that resurrection life. This is what it means to live into the incarnation of Jesus Christ, seeking God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for us. But for many of us, we have found ourselves conforming to the patterns of this world. But God is calling us to remember the incarnation as it empowers us to live lives of surprising love, lives that are not conforming, but can be transformative to self and to this world. Just look at the example set by Jesus Christ. Jesus was different. He he did not conform to what society and the world told him he should be, but he transformed He refused to affiliate with the right or with the left or to be identified as a pro or anti this or that to to find himself being aligned with any particular group. He did not engage with the trending topics of the day or engage in debates, but he sought to engage with people. He, He never allowed his stance or his desire to be right to supersede his love of people. So what if in your next disagreement, to follow the example of Jesus Christ, whatever this hot button issue that you choose to debate or think you want to engage with, uh, or whether it be um, right or left, whether it be mask or no mask, homosexuality or straight, all these hot button issues that seem to well up within our society, what if the next time that you approached one of these disagreements... What if you placed a higher price tag on the lives involved than on the position that you held? Because this is how Jesus was transformative. This is that, the transformation that needs to happen in our hearts and in our minds and in our world. To not view the, the quote-unquote other as the enemy, but as a child of God. And how would that change the way in which you act and interact with the world? Because when we do this, when we refuse to engage in the ways of the world, what we we start to see is a shift and a transformation happening in our own hearts and minds. But what we also saw in Jesus' time is that the world takes notice. And in Jesus' case, the world pushes back. So do not think that just because the world is pushing back against you, it means that you are in the wrong. Because so often when you do things that are counter- cultural, the world will push back. As Jesus began to transform the world, some didn't like it. They, they, and I know this is hard to imagine for many of us that, that people didn't want to change. That as Jesus started to present a new way, they didn't want to go in the new way. They liked what their old way. They got comfortable. But this new group sought to attack and to silence Jesus. And, and they did so by asking questions. And, and as I, what happens in our own lives when, when people disagree with us and they want to silence us and they begin to ask questions, how do we interact and interact when someone asks or questions our stance or our belief? We become argumentative. We become matter-of-fact. We become aggressive. 
But Jesus didn't even engage the questions or, or even really get bogged down and caught up in the topics. But instead, if you look throughout the scriptures, more times than not, Jesus, instead of answering the questions, asked questions of his own. And if it wasn't a question, Jesus would answer with a parable for, to be translated, to be, to be wrestled with. And it was because for Jesus, easy answers are not the way forward. He wasn't worried about necessarily asserting some expertise or declaring that he is right or innocent, but, but he was more concerned about the person and the people involved, and he knew that the way forward was not by trying to get people to conform, but through transformation, and he knew that no one would be transformed by being told that they were wrong or simply by being given an answer. Easy answers simply end the conversation more times than not. But questions invite others to wonder. They invite us into the sense of awe. They invite us to be transformed as we begin to wrestle with what does this mean in our hearts and in our minds? What what does this look like uh, as we start to wrestle with questions? But for many of us, we have shut our minds off and don't even want to wrestle with questions because we are comfortable. We don't seek to be transformed because we have already conformed to this world. But this idea of questions and entering into engaging dialogue with one another calls us to be transformed. To, be invest, to investigate. It opens the door for God to enter the conversation and to transform us. So what does it look like for you to, te- to really begin to believe that your life is worship? The way in which you act and interact with people is showing what you truly believe. What does it look like if we begin to value people over our opinions? What does it look like if we become more focused on doing the right thing as God calls us to as opposed to being right? What does it look like as we move forward living into the incarnation of Jesus Christ? We've, we've come on, we're on this side of Christmas and we've celebrated that Jesus came into this world with God in flesh, God incarnate. But the question still remains that we must answer. So what? What does that mean? Is it, does, does it even affect us? Because what the incarnation is calling us to do is to be transformed by the renewing of our hearts and our minds as we, as we ask God to shift and to direct us in our, what we say and do and how we act and interact and to stop conforming to the ways of this world, the ways of hate and division, separation, and aggression, but to be transformed as we seek to understand more fully how to live in love and grace and mercy and hope. Our prayer is that we will begin to open the door to God. Allow God to enter into our conversations and our lives that we may be transformed by the renewing of our hearts, minds, and very souls. Amen and amen.